Hello and welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. I am Dr. Taves, joined by Dr. Jacqueline Storsbach, and it's our mission to empower and educate everyone with headaches and migraines so that you can break free from this life of fear of your next headache or migraine, dependence on medication, and thrive in everything that you do. Now, thriving in everything you do involves having a sense of like emotional happiness or being able to overcome things like anxiety and depression. And those things happen to go hand in hand uh, with headaches and migraines. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about anxiety and depression and how those uh, relate to headaches and migraines. Especially around the holidays, we want people to enjoy time with their family, travel, um, just just really be able to take a break from work or life and whatever stresses uh, life may throw at you and be able to, yeah, not have to worry about headaches or migraines um, leading to anxiety or, or depression or, or vice versa, whatever that relationship is. And so we're going to dive into that. And uh, this is something we see relatively frequently in the clinic. Mm -hmm. So let's start there. Let's talk about what we see in the clinic. Yeah, so we always have an intake form that people can jot down if they have any kind of, you know, mental history. And um, I would say a good quarter of our patients probably do put down they have some form of depression or anxiety. Um, So it is something we do see fairly commonly here. Yeah, yeah. And as far as clinically... It's something where whether it's on a form or just sitting down to interview patients and hearing their stories, they people with headaches and migraines are going through a lot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we all have busy lives, busy schedules. We've got, you know, things that we're trying to shuffle around our priorities list and figure out what we need to take care of first. Um, and then when you have a headache or a migraine, you, that that all gets thrown to the wayside. It's interrupted. And that is anxiety that, that causes this anxiety. And, and uh, we, we want that to stay away from the state of like depression. But this is normal uh, as far as what we're seeing with headache and migraine patients. Um, you know, you, you, take, you take the stresses of life and you put on another layer of headaches and migraines. So let's figure out how to help you with that today. Let's start with a few sort of stats, uh, just so we have a good grasp on how common a problem this is and what we find in the research, mm-hmm. just to make sure we're not making stuff up and there actually is a connection here. So what what did we find? Well, we definitely know it, they just have a high level of comorbidity. That's just a fancy word. When, when you have one thing, such as headaches or migraines, you should look for or screen for the other, like anxiety or depression. And we looked at several different articles. Um, You know, overall, um, they kind of showed that both depression and anxiety um, are in about 20% of migraine patients. Now, different articles looked at different things. For example, one looked at the difference between like an episodic migraine, which is anything less than 14 days or or less a month, or chronic migraine, which is 15 days or more a month. And the numbers do change. So with episodic migraine, it's by that 20% mark for both depression and anxiety. But anxiety really goes up with chronic migraine, upwards of 50%. Um, We pulled these numbers from several places. Uh, That first number I just gave you is from 
um, a doctorate uh, who's a professor of neurology at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. Um, and so obviously they probably have a good background on that. But we looked at other articles, like there was a 2015 article that showed upwards of 51.1% showed anxiety and depression symptoms. Um, the most, to me, the most like specific and also the largest study that I really liked looking at was a 2016 article that um, had over 6,624 participants in it all across the EU. So actually a larger study, which is nice. And they actually broke it down into migraine patients versus medication overuse headaches. And we've actually done an, uh, another podcast on that, like the different types of headaches um, and tension type headaches. And so that was interesting because with migraine, um, those participants carried about a 19.1% probability of anxiety, 6.9% uh, of depression, and 5.1% of having both. So definitely higher than the normal sample. But then they definitely noticed the medication overuse headaches, actually much larger numbers, um, almost 40% had anxiety, 16.9% with depression, 14.4% with both. And then with the tension type, they actually did not exceed the norms of, of normal samples. And so I just thought that was very interesting that if for some reason we are starting to kind of put people in categories, which here we do believe that um, sometimes the diagnosis isn't super helpful, but it is nice if we do feel like we have a patient that might fall into the category of medication overuse headaches that we're really screening them um, for depression and anxiety because it seems to have a really high correlation. Yeah. So the takeaway there is if you, if you get to pick which type you get, pick the tension type headache. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. Pick that number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that is really interesting though. And it's interesting because we, you know, when we get data, we look at it and you, you can sort of tie together these two things and say, well, you know, there's correlation, but is the, you know, what's the causation? And that causation is a lot of times what we're guessing at I, from clinically. And, and in my experience, it would, it would make sense and it would be reasonable in my mind to say that migraine migraines are debilitating to the extent that, that they would lead to a higher rate of anxiety and depression mm -hmm. compared to tension type headaches. And then medication overuse headaches, I would imagine there there's an element of this medication's impact on the body, on on that patient to the point where the you know that that negative effect is resulting in anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. uh, that that to me, I mean, if I had to guess, that's kind of what I would have laid out mm -hmm. uh, because of what we see in the clinic here. Well, and just another side note is obviously people are here having medication overuse and don't even know that they're doing it. Um, it's because they have such severe symptoms so so often throughout the week. And so to me, it's like that those probably those people could also just fall into the migraine category. They're just looking for the medications more often because they're just having headaches more often. And like we just talked about, I mean, if your life is impacted to that extent, of course, you're going to probably have more anxiety and depression. So it's definitely like that bi-directional thing we should right. always recognize. Right. Yeah. And as far as medication overuse, um, wasn't it like three, three, three plus yeah, so days a week that you're taking medication? Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like is, is a lot of people, uh -huh. um, probably listening to this podcast Yeah. and not that any of you enjoy taking medication, but 
it's just out of necessity. You pop that trip down and, or whatever over the counter pain med you're, you're used to taking. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, an, another connection with that, I guess another reason potentially to, uh, stay, stay away from medications. If, you know, we talked, you, you talked about the two potential, uh, connections there, but if there's a connection between the medication leading to, you know, some anxiety, depression, another reason mm-hmm. uh, that we need to provide a solution outside of that. Exactly. Um, and then just to summarize, about 20% of, of people with uh, that experience migraines um, will have depression or anxiety, according to, to a few of these studies that we saw. And then upwards of um, uh, 50, 51% as far as anxiety was concerned in other studies. So yeah, just really high numbers. I mean, um, let's, let's talk. I mean, my question when we were going through this was, well, how do you know if someone has anxiety? How do you know if someone has depression? You know, is it, do you just feel it? How are they creating this objective, uh, sort of result? And so let's, let's look at that. Yeah. So they, um, there's a few different like questionnaires or outcome measures they, they used, um, depending on the study. Um, the one, the largest study that we looked at that we just talked about the difference between migraine or medication overuse, they used, um, what the HADS or it's called the hospital anxiety and depression scale. All of these are basically questionnaires on this one specifically. It's 14 questions seven are for the depression category, seven are for the anxiety category, and they score you zero to three, depending on how you answer the question. And then they tell you anything over uh, the score of 11 on both categories. So not combined, which is nice. It's the depression score and the anxiety score. Anything over the number 11 puts you in the quote unquote, the abnormal category. And I guess that would therefore diagnose you with more of a true depression or anxiety. Um, so that was that was one, and I actually, of all the ones, the outcome measures we kind of looked at, to me made the most sense and had a, a normal kind of threshold, whereas we looked at another one called the um, PHQ-9, Patient Health Questionnaire 9, and it's, it's 9 because it's only 9 questions, and it's really only about depression. There's not a lot about anxiety on there, and you have to get f- a score of 5 or more, and um, to me, that's a really low threshold. Yeah, five, five or more is what they qualified as anxiety. And yeah, in that study, and some of the questions, just sort of a frame of reference on that PHQ-9 are, mm-hmm. um, you know, little interest or pleasure in doing things, um, feeling down, depressed, or hopeless, trouble falling or staying asleep or sleeping too much, feeling tired or having little energy, and, and you're either you know, not at all several days, more than half the days or nearly every day is how you're answering that. And then the, the HADS, the hospital anxiety and depression scale are questions like, I feel tense or wound up. I still enjoy the things, or I still enjoy the things I used to enjoy. Uh, I get a sort of frightened feeling as if something awful is about to happen. I can laugh and see the funny side of things. That, by the way, that's that's a core value here. Yes, we have our bobbleheads. It's a bobblehead core value, and so we want, we we do want to see the uh, funny side of things. Mm-hmm. So if um, an employee would answer one to three, then we, yeah, they wouldn't be a good fit. Right, yeah. I, I'm definitely on that zero, so which is great. <laughs> Anyways, this is these are the types of questions that they're using 
and then connecting them to numbers on the scale of, of not at all to most of the time to answer the question of, uh, are you normal? Are you, uh, at least on the, on the um, HADS, it's normal, borderline, abnormal, or abnormal. Mm-hmm. And then clinically, we, we can use that number to guide us in our healthcare decision-making, meaning does the person we're seeing potentially need treatment for this? Do we need to send them off for uh, counseling or, or, you know, a, a sort of um, antidepressant or something like that, which, uh, of course, we don't love the medications. But, you know, there, there's a point where we need to consider this as sort of a separate thing that needs attention mm-hmm. um, because we can we can find sort of a barrier in treatment. Absolutely. And even one of these articles uh, kind of the, they put at the end most perhaps most importantly, headache treatments generally don't work as well when depression or anxiety is not being treated. And so definitely it's something on our end that we should just, you know, always be aware of because we want as much success as possible and make sure there's not, you know, another corner of the room that does need to be addressed. Um, And kind of going into that, of course, is, you know, so what are the options for people with depression and anxiety? What, you know, what should they look for? Um, Of course, a lot of times people will be prescribed medications, which sometimes absolutely can be warranted. Um, But they've definitely shown that behavioral therapies, such as counseling, um, you know, psychology sessions, things like that are actually extremely effective for depression. And they tend to be more effective than medication, more specifically for anxiety disorders. But they've even shown long-term relief with just behavioral treatments. And I just think that's really important for people to realize um, that it's not always a medication thing. And sometimes you need both, but that the, the behavioral treatments, the counseling has shown in the research that they actually are more effective. Yeah, I'm sure there's a behavioral therapist out there with a podcast <laughs> like ours that's trying to you know, raise raise her hand and say, hey, I can, I can help outside of medication. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, finding finding therapies outside of that you know, I guess we can call it a traditional medication model. Um, yeah, it, that's what that's what we would promote. Mm-hmm. We try to find people like that. So behavioral treatments, um, we have what, I guess, how are we equipped here in the clinic? Or if someone comes in and, and we just get the sense that they're anxious or maybe depressed a little bit, mm-hmm. um, what, what are maybe some things that would benefit them going through our process? Yeah, so... Um, what's nice with our treatment is I do think first and foremost, when we educate people initially, we create a lot of hope for them. A lot of times people have come to see us and they're kind of feeling a little bit down and like frustrated and not heard. And all those things can kind of lead to this hopelessness. Um, and what we want to do is give enough education and empowerment that there is, you know, a musculoskeletal cause of this and it can be treated. And you know, just immediately, I think that hope I've had several people on their first visit kind of get teary eyed because they're kind of all of a sudden feeling that switch of, oh, there is a light at the end of this tunnel. So I think first that's huge, you know, and then as we treat people and they obviously feel better um, and they're doing more things with their family and friends, they're not, they're doing more social activities. Those things are huge. um, As far as the mental health side is that social stuff is really important. And, um, yeah, so I, I do think we can have a big impact as far as just 
in the on the general side of um, bringing some hope uh, to them and letting them engage in so- social things is huge. Um, and so off, you know, as kind of a side effect of our treatment, I do think we have an impact on this, uh, which, you know, we feel honored to be able to help walk with people during this. Um, and then, of course, just creating a safe environment while they're here. So if they do have some things they need to bring up or there's anything that, you know, maybe they haven't sought out counseling yet, but they're thinking about it. It's a nice way to kind of start encouraging them of, yeah, let's look into some options of some talk therapy, you know, and I can even share my story of, you know, counseling, which has been super helpful. And so I just think in, you know, we're in a really good position because we get to spend a lot of time with people to actually um, make that impact. Yeah. A quick story on that note, the opposite effect of not having hope, I think, impacts nearly everyone we see to the point where, let's say, you know, you're, you're going to doctor after doctor and there is not an explanation for what is happening to you. And you have this, this terrible stabbing or throbbing or it feels like your head's going to explode type of pain. It's natural to think that I've got a tumor. My my brain's actually going to explode. There's probably a stroke that I'm experiencing. You know, things like that. And that's that's going to generate a ton of anxiety, mm-hmm. which amplifies the problem. Mm-hmm. And not understanding what your body's going through when you have this debilitating pain is an issue. Mm-hmm. So my story is I had a virtual visit with a gentleman, and he he told me that he had this breakthrough moment with, I, I believe it was a, a neurologist or maybe a, a DO. Um, but he said that he talked to this guy and the guy did some simple little test on his neck and said, this is your neck. This is a neck problem. And this gentleman I was talking to said the next day he felt a hundred times better. Like he, he would wake up, he would deal with a migraine nearly every day. And then after he just understood that his neck was the issue generating this problem and, and it sort of relieved those fears that he had surrounding, you know, do I have a tumor? Is this a stroke? Are we missing something? Am I going to die? You know, mm-hmm. uh, he was able to find relief just in that explanation. And so that's, that's a huge thing that we get to be a part of is just, bringing this sort of simple explanation to people's um, attention in a way that that really drives hope. And in addition to this gentleman's story, we can actually intervene on that underlying problem and uh, and reduce the symptoms, which is another huge aspect about uh, of of working against this anxiety depression because we we have people all the time that say like I just, my my mood changes when I'm in pain. I just can't mm-hmm. um, seem to be the same person that I am without pain. And my my kids see it, and my and my spouse sees it, and it impacts sort of everything that they do. And so lifting that burden of of not of of pain and allowing someone to walk through life without pain is very freeing and, and impacts their anxiety indirectly, but it has a big impact on it. And so oftentimes, yeah, it's just let's treat the anxiety or let's treat the, the headache or the migraine 
and uh, we'll see what happens to the anxiety and depression as we do that. And then if we need to bring other people involved into this situation, uh, then we'll we'll do that as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's not hard for us to to draw the line between anxiety, depression, and migraines because of how debilitating they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, any other um, sort of helpful uh, tips or tricks for people or, or takeaways, especially around the holiday season any tips we can provide is good yeah I think you know holidays are an interesting time of year because they are supposed to kind of be this happy lovely time and I do think they can also be very stressful and even very sad for a lot of people Um, and they are then then there's like this layer of guilt with migrainers that maybe they're going to lose time over the holidays which is supposed to be kind of a special set aside time so just um, for the you know going into the holidays I think the first thing and this is probably going to sound very like I don't know if cliche is the word or not, but um, just like if a friend were to come to you on the holidays and go, man, I just can't join dinner. My head hurts so bad. You would go absolutely go lay down. You would never think for it for a moment. So always like forgive yourself just like you would a friend and um, maybe and maybe talk with your family or friends prior to like a big event and even set some expectations like, hey, I might only be able to join a couple hours and then I definitely need some time by myself whether that's to do my exercises or just kind of get a little reset you know just kind of putting that listen, out. listen to another podcast yeah exactly put us on yeah <laughs> um so those things are important like kind of almost saying it even before the fact so it's just kind of out on the table everyone knows what to expect um and then looking for community support i know there's a group called migraine strong that's kind of gets people together and has a lot of good things going on and so maybe finding that um and then as I probably said a million times before on other podcasts is just go back to the basics. Like remember that sleep is extremely important between seven to nine hours is normal. Try to actually go to bed and wake up at the same time. And I, it's it's like the little tiny things that everyone hears all the time, but they're the most important. Still try to get your, some physical activity in if you can. Um, And for eating, I know there's a lot of desserts around in the holidays, but just remember, still get in your fiber and try not to overdo it on the sugar. And those kind of three basic things can be really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Those are really good reminders um, as far as, yeah, sleep, diet, the things that we can control, mm-hmm. uh, movement as well, right? Like mm-hmm. from, yeah, the physical activity perspective of it, the sort of sedentary activities that come with the holidays whether it's sitting and talking or sitting and and watching a holiday, your favorite holiday film, Mm -hmm. um, pay attention to, to how you're sitting and, and the position you're in. And and we want you to be active because not only is that going to help your neck, but you'll just feel better if you're active. Mm -hmm. So yeah, implement those things. And in general, we, we hope that your holiday goes really well. We want you to enjoy time with family and hopefully you don't have to worry about this stuff at all and uh your headache and migraine free through this season Mm -hmm. now if you're not of course um continue to listen to this podcast and and uh reach out to us we'd love to help you uh, navigate this this terrible uh, pain these terrible symptoms that you're experiencing and uh, provide you with that hope and uh, the the anxiety and depression um, is something that yeah, it can plague and have sort of its reach into every facet of life. And so uh, if that's something you're, you're struggling with as well, um, we would love to, to be a resource and see um, if our approach to your headaches and migraines can help um, from that end as, as, uh, as a side benefit. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this is um, the Headache Doctor podcast, and uh, we want you to thrive, and that's what this this episode was about. And uh, we want you to break free from that fear of your next migraine and dependence on medication. And please, uh, please subscribe, and uh, don't forget to uh, review and uh, and comment and tell your friends about what we're doing because we really are trying to change uh, the dynamic of our healthcare system and how it interacts with headache people with headaches and migraines. And uh, there's a lot of friction with that, and it's an uphill battle. But we appreciate all our our listeners and people who have supported us so far. Uh, Stay tuned next week for another podcast.